You know, most of us enjoy being on a team at times, and the value of a team is that each person can specialize. Each person can do what they do best and allow others to play to their talents because we all bring to the, to the table different experiences, different training, different education, different skills. All those things are different for each one of us. And so when we come together to be on a team, if we do it well, things can run very well and we can be very effective more so than if we were doing it all on our own. Now the problem becomes on a team when people get into the wrong roles, right? When one person is playing the wrong position according to their experiences, their skills, their training. So if you've got a football team and a place kicker is trying to play linebacker, things are not gonna go well, right? And you're probably not gonna make many field goals if the linebackers start kicking the field goals. So you gotta get the people in the right place. Now. I think that applies to church life as well. In many ways, we are a team, a really big team, and we all have a role to play, and I think that's really important for us to figure out our role and then play that role. And so it's really good that I was not at the piano or the keyboard just now, right? You would not have enjoyed the offering song nearly as much if I had been over there. And it's good that I'm not doing kids ministry today and probably youth ministry, that I've got to find my role and fill that role. That's true for all of us. And I want us to take that concept today and think about one specific part of church life. Uh, maybe a part that we sometimes forget because... You know, it's really easy for us to focus on what happens in here. We've talked about that many times before uh, because we're all here right now, right? We, we know what's going on in this room. We know the experience that we're having together right now and that we've had in the past and that we anticipate having in the future. We know what goes on in this room and larger in this building the learning that takes place here, the study that takes place here, the, the pastoral care that might be in this building. And so all that is important to us because it involves us directly. But what about what happens out there? Church life is not restricted to just what happens in this building or in this room. There are things that take place outside outside this room, outside this building, in our community, in the larger community, and then throughout the world. So are we a team both for what happens in here and out there? That's what I want us to think about today. How do we operate as a team in terms of global missions, what God is doing, not just in our community, not just in our county or state, but throughout the world. To get at that today, I'd like to turn to a passage that we find in Romans chapter 10. You know, as we think about this, we think about our mission is to love God and love others. And certainly our love for God and our love for others should extend beyond what happens in this building even in our community, it extends to what God is doing throughout the world. So let's hear what Paul has to say. In Romans 10, Paul is dealing with an issue that runs sort of all the way through Romans, and that is how do people go from being Gentiles who don't believe in God to becoming followers of Jesus? Is there a middle step where they have to start obeying all the laws that were in the Old Testament before they can become Christians? 
And should all Christians follow Old Testament law? And Paul is really making the case that this is a new day. This is a new time. We don't operate under all those laws that Jesus has fulfilled that and given us a new way of living. And so we come down to Romans chapter 10, verse 13, and Paul says this, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, and who's he talking about? Jesus. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's a key verse, isn't it? I mean, if someone says, I believe in Jesus Christ and I'm calling on Him to bring me salvation, to forgive my sins, to make a place for me to spend eternity with God, that changes everything for us and for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. Now, Paul's doing a couple of important things here. First of all, he's quoting an Old Testament passage from prophecy that talks about God Himself. And in this verse, when he says the name of the Lord, if you look back over the last few verses, he's talking about Jesus. So what, part of what Paul is doing in this verse is saying Jesus is Lord. Okay? Jesus is God. And that's a key fact for us as we are followers of Jesus. We believe Jesus is God's Son. We believe that Jesus is God Himself come to earth to live among us and to die for us. Paul want to make sure, wants to make sure that point is driven home. And then he also is making the point that salvation is found in the name of Jesus. Now these are at the heart of our faith the heart of what we understand to be a Christian. Now, we can bring other passages in that talk about the plan of salvation. This really is the beginning step of faith. And we could talk about repentance. We could talk about confessing Jesus as Lord. We could talk about baptism. All those things are tied together. But this is the beginning point. Call on the name of the Lord. And then Paul says this. Verses 14 and 15, and this is where I want us to park for a little while today. He says, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. So Paul takes this important truth, Jesus is Lord, salvation is found in Jesus, and then he says, let's think about that, but then let's apply that to ministry. So he's taking an important theological truth and then applying it to how we do ministry. And this was close to Paul's heart because he spent his life doing it. And he says, okay, if we're going to take this truth and we're going to transfer that to people who don't know Jesus, how's that going to happen? And he does it with four questions, right? Four questions that he asks here. Question number one, how can they call on Jesus if they don't believe in him? That makes sense, right? He says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I mean, if we go to Jesus Christ and say, I know I'm a sinner, I know that what I deserve is punishment, but I also know that the power of Jesus is at work, and Jesus has offered me salvation, and I'm calling on Him, and I'm making Him the Lord of my life, 
I want to follow Jesus and I'm asking for forgiveness. What happens? We become followers of Jesus. We are forgiven. We are looking forward to eternal life. And that's awesome. But how do you get to that point if you don't believe? Right? You could go through all this and say, sure, I repent and I confess. We could go up there and put you in the water. And if there's no faith, if you don't believe, then all you are is wet, right? It's empty. So the first thing is, how can you call on the name of Jesus if you don't actually believe what the Bible says about him? And the word there for belief is the same word that we get faith from. That's what we're talking about. We've got to believe that Jesus, the, the very truths that Paul just talked about in verse 13, we find at work here. We've got to believe Jesus is Lord. We've got to believe that salvation is found in Jesus. And only when we believe that would we call on the name of the Lord. So question number one, how can they call on Jesus if they don't believe in him? Question number two, how can they believe? Let's see how I worded this. How can they believe if they haven't heard? Okay, so we want people to come to the point that they're ready to call on the name of Jesus. They can only do that if they have faith. How can they have faith? How can they believe if they've never heard it? Now, Paul had firsthand knowledge of this, right? He knew what this was about. Because Christianity begins in ancient Palestine, in Jerusalem. And then it begins to grow throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So it begins to spread. But when Paul goes around and he's in what we would now call Turkey and Greece and then eventually to Rome... He's sharing the message of Jesus, and so often, the places where Paul went, no one had ever heard of Jesus. So they couldn't have yet come to the point of believing or calling on the name of Jesus. And so Paul says they need to hear. And this is still at work in our world. Still happening today, there are people that need to hear. Missiologists, people who study global missions, would tell you that approximately 3.15 billion people on the face of the earth have not heard of Jesus. Now, maybe they've heard the name Jesus, but they have not heard the story of Jesus in a way that would convict them of the truth of it. 3.15 billion have not heard. That gives us an incredible responsibility and an incredible opportunity. How can they believe if they haven't heard? Question number three. How can they hear without a preacher? I'm going to have to think about that one a little bit. You know, honestly, in our culture, preaching has sort of got a bad rap, Right? When people in our culture begin to think about preaching, what usually comes to mind is somebody screaming at them, somebody telling them what a bad person they are, condemnation, all that stuff. And I've heard those sermons, okay? I've heard those sermons at funerals. That's not pleasant. And if that's preaching, I'm not excited about it either. But if we look back in Scripture, what we find that the word preaching meant then was proclamation. And it's all about proclaiming the name of Jesus. 
It's all about telling the story of Jesus Christ. And telling how Jesus has transformed lives. How Jesus has made life different for the people who believe in Him. And Paul says, there's no way that people are going to call in the name of Jesus unless they believe. They can't believe unless they hear. And the only way for them to hear is for someone to go with the message. And so Paul was convicted early on in his Christian life that he needed to go and to preach. And sometimes that preaching involved standing up in front of groups. Sometimes it involved developing relationships in cities where no one knew the name of Jesus. Only maybe even a few knew who God was. And so Paul went and he preached. And so he's telling these Roman Christians, we need preachers. Not people to yell and scream and just tell people how bad they are, but to proclaim the name, the story, the power, the salvation of Jesus. Question number four. How can, they have, how can you have preachers unless they are sent? And you know, a little bit when we hear that, we go, what's Paul talking about there? I mean, somebody, can't someone just decide, hey, I'm going to be a preacher and just go start preaching? Well, in theory, that could happen. But Paul knew how it should work. Paul knew how it worked in his own life and ministry. Paul knew that, that he had gone to the city of Antioch. And he had become part of the church there. He had become one of them in this cosmopolitan city, a church made of Jews and Gentiles, a church that understood mission. And that this church, through Barnabas a Christian leader, had identified Paul's skills, had taken who he was and said, this man could make a difference in the kingdom of God. And this church, this group of Christians, had chosen Paul and then they sent him out. And what that meant was they helped support his needs, they prayed for him, they cared for him, they said, this is someone who is doing a mission that we can't do. In other words, we can't all go, but we can send Paul and Barnabas to go do this work that needs to be done. And so certainly, someone could just decide, hey, I'm going to be a preacher and go. But Paul knew that it works so much better if Christians send a preacher. So that there's someone standing behind them, supporting them. It's important that there is a sender as well as a preacher. And so when it comes down to us, and we think about this progression of the gospel, that we've got to call in the name of Jesus. And the only way to do that is if we believe. And the only way that we're going to believe is if we hear. And the only way we're going to hear is if someone preaches. And the only way there's going to be preachers is if someone sins. It tells me when we think about global missions as a church, we should Play your position in missions. Play your position in missions. So, we're a team. We're a group of people that come together. We have different experiences, different skills, different education, different training. And each one of us has a position to play in global missions as a church. So, each one of us needs to first decide, I'm going to be on the team. This matters. If there's over three 
billion people who need to know the name of Jesus who right now don't, I want to be part of that. I want those people to spend eternity with God. I want those people in this life to know the, the peace and the power of God at work in their lives. I want them to know that they can be forgiven of their sins, that they are not in this alone. We've got to decide we're going to be on the team. And then we've got to decide that we're going to play our position. And there's lots of positions. Some people are going to be preachers. They're going to preach. And you might immediately say, that's not me. I don't like getting up in front of a group of people and talking. I'm not going to be a preacher. Well, there's more than one way to preach, isn't there? Sometimes it involves standing in front of a group of people and talking. And certainly we see examples of that in the New Testament. But this can take lots of different forms. It's really going and carrying the message of Jesus to people who don't know. Proclaiming Jesus. And so some people are going to be the ones to go and to preach. And maybe they're going to go to places where people don't know Jesus. And some of those people are going to go on a short-term trip. Okay, Lots of people in this room have done that in the past. Lots of people in our church have. And they're going to spend a few days or a week or a couple weeks, and they're going to serve people and maybe develop some relationships, train some Christian leaders, sort of lay the groundwork, assist people who are doing this full-time. Lots of ways. That's still being called to, to go and to proclaim. And some people are going to say, this is what I want to do. This is what I want my life to be, is preaching the message of Jesus. And maybe that involves standing up in front of a group of people. Maybe that involves translating the words of Scripture into the language of people who don't have Scripture in their language. Maybe it means training Christian leaders who can then go and preach themselves. Lots of ways to do that. And there are some people in this room who will say, man, that's... That's the position that I think God is calling me to play. That's awesome. And we'd love to stand with you on that. And then some people are going to send. Some people are going to send. You see, Paul understood that there needed to be a church standing behind the people who were going to preach. And those people were going to send the preacher. And it takes a group of people to send a preacher. It takes a group of people who are going to say, okay, we're setting you aside. You know what? This is hard for a church sometimes because a lot of times the church says, this person in our midst is playing an important role. They're an elder in the church. They're teaching. They're training people. And now they're going to extract themselves from our church and there's going to be a big hole. And the church has to say, you know what? We'll figure that out. Because there's three billion people who don't know Jesus. And so we're going to send. We're going to set them apart. We're going to find out their needs, physical, spiritual, all those things. And we're going to stand with them from the time they leave to the time they come back and even after that. We're going to send. We're going to pray. We're going to encourage we're going to be part of their ministry. We're not going to be right there with them physically, but in every other way, we're going to send them to do this work. And the people who send are vital to the people who preach. So we're going to preach. We're going to send. There's going to be people who give. Okay? And again, part of it's going to be giving financially. 
I mean, we just approved a budget last year, and that budget includes $100,000 for mission. If we give according to what we've projected, okay, then we could do that. We could send $100,000 across the world, beginning in our community, and then across the world to make a difference in the name of Jesus. So when we put money into an offering in our church, we are giving. Maybe some of you also give separate gifts to different missions. That's awesome. Now, we have a variety of missions. There are some right here in Taylorville, right? Loving Arms Crisis Pregnancy Center. We support as a part of our missions program. Vision Way Christian School, part of our missions program. We're ministering in our own community. And then it gets a little bit wider, right? Inner City Mission in Springfield. Lake Springfield Christian Assembly, our camp, all part of missions. And it expands beyond that. Church planting in the United States. Missions in Africa. All kinds of things. Haiti. All sorts of ways that we are giving to support missions. So if you give to the church, you're already playing a position. You're giving. And then fourth, listen. When somebody comes back and says, let me tell you, What's going on? Let me tell you about how I've been preaching, maybe in creative ways. Let me tell you about how I've been proclaiming the name of Jesus. We listen. We want to know those stories. We want to ask questions because I can tell you, so many of our missionaries come back and the thing they want us to do the most is ask them questions because what does it say? I care, I'm interested, I want to know more, I want to know how to pray for you. In some ways, I want to be a good sender. So what's your position? Three billion people, and you need to choose a position to play in this. Every one of us can do one of those four things. Every single one of us. What we've got to do is choose to play your position in missions. Let's pray together. God, we are so thankful for people throughout the world who are sharing the message of Jesus today. Some of them are being threatened by authorities. Some of them are afraid. Some of them are excited. Some of them are seeing amazing results. God, we're thankful for every single one of them. And especially those that we've had the opportunity to be involved in sending and those that we give to. God, help us, each one, to choose to be part of this, to choose to be what, part of what you're doing throughout the world. Help us to choose our position and then play it. Pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.